So Christmas is just around the corner, and I got my mind on a lot of things, and probably some of us are probably not thinking about the concept of praise. But it's hard to enter into that Christmas season without having a heart of praise because Jesus Christ, the Savior of the universe, is the one that came to save us from our sins. And uh, that's a lot to praise God for. Uh, and I think we get to the point where we only think about praise when it comes to... Um, when it comes to Thanksgiving in that time of year, got a little popping here. Let me check this real quick. And, and it's not the way it should be. I think we so get, get so caught up with, uh, with the concept of seasonal prayer and seasonal times of worship, and we miss the big picture. And so I say all that to say this. The benefits of praise should be um, at the forefront of our mind every single day, like what am I getting and what is my Father in Heaven getting from a lifestyle of praise? So, a number of weeks ago, I was thinking on this concept of praise and how we get it confused. So, I want to share with you guys, what are the benefits of praise? And I want to look specifically at a passage of Scripture that I find that uh, most of us are familiar with. It's found in the book of Acts and it's in verse, or chapter 16. So, if you want to take your Bibles and turn over there and follow along with me... Uh, I, I am an expository preacher. That means I go verse by verse, and I make it as simplistic as I possibly can. So we're literally going to go verse by verse and look at these benefits of praise. So what you're going to find in the book of Acts chapter 16 is, uh, is a missionary journey that's taking place with Paul and Silas. Uh, they've already been to Thessalonica and Athens and um, Corinth and Philippi, and they've done an ex they've had a very successful mission project, and it was so successful that people are getting saved. They're joining the church, uh, saved, baptized, joining the church, and they're very involved. And so, anytime you anytime you see that God is working, and there's some big things happening. Satan won't be too far behind. It always works that way. You found that out in your own life. Every time you find yourself on the right track and things are going really well, you're like, what? Where'd this come from? And Satan's not too far behind throwing things at you. It's, it's spiritual warfare. It happens. So it happened here in Acts chapter 16 and verse 22. The multitude rose up against them. And, and so through that, some of the leadership got so angry, so frustrated, the Bible says that they would rent their clothes, literally tear their clothes. Now, I've never gotten to the point that I was so angry that I tore my clothes. But I've been, <laughs> somebody said, glory to God, thank the Lord. I've been pretty angry before. I've never gotten to the point where I've thrown something. Some of you have probably been very angry to the point you've thrown some things. But I have been angry to the point where I've said some things that I deeply regret. Well, this right here, this scenario that's taking place, we see a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And it all comes because of Paul and Silas making a decision to evangelize the people, to teach, to preach, but also to cast out uh, evil spirits. And this just made everybody uncomfortable. One of the reasons why is one of the young ladies uh, that was um, making herself very known in her language to Paul and Silas uh, had an evil spirit in her. And it got to the point that Paul and Silas made a decision that they were going to cast out this evil spirit. 
But the problem with the people was they were using this young lady for their benefit. Uh, sorcery and, 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 and it was something that rubbed them wrong because they just took away their income through this young lady that was possessed by a spirit. There's more to the story than that. But here's the really cool thing about this whole scenario. In the midst of everything that was going on, Paul and Silas were focused. They were not thinking that the people were going to get ticked off because they're just giving truth. They were not thinking <laughs> at all that uh, the, 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 the leadership was going to get to the point that they're so ticked off that they were going to throw somebody in prison. But all of this begins to unfold because when God starts working, Satan does too. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 22 through 24, the Bible says specifically in verse 23, they laid hold of them and they put stripes upon their backs. They whipped them, they beat them, and then they cast them into prison. And now I'm going to stop right here before we go any further. And I'm going to pray with you. And I want you to have clarity of mind with where I'm going because for some people they're going to find this uh, uncomfortable because you think, you know, in the midst of trials and hard times, the last thing I want to do is praise God. So I don't know if I'm going to follow with where you're going, Dave, but I want you to hang on because I'm going to go in a direction that I think we can all relate to. All right, everybody with me? Y'all with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for clarity and direction as we just talk about what happened in Acts chapter 16. And we reminisce on the story of Paul and Silas and as they were in prison, and how you showed up. I pray, Lord, that you give me clarity of mind, and those that are sitting here, Lord, that you'll speak to their hearts, and use this for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible says in verse 24 that they were put in the inner part of the prison, and they had shackles on their feet, and their hands, and everything turned to the worst. I'm going to tell you, there's three things that start with P that I just do not like, okay? I, I don't like pain, I don't like problems, and sometimes I don't like people. Can I get an amen? You say, you're a pastor, you should love people. Sometimes I love them, I just don't want to be around them. But the number one at the top of the list is pain. I do not like pain. They say, I, I've heard my wife even said this, women have a higher tolerance for pain. She said, we're just made different. We have a higher tolerance for pain. We can handle it. You know what? I agree. You can. I don't have a problem with that. No problem at all. I just had COVID. It was very difficult. I felt like I was dying. My wife had COVID a, a, a year or so ago, and she just moved on like everything was good. She pressed on. She's just programmed that way, and I know women are different. But when I think of Paul and Silas and what they just went through, after preaching and teaching and loving people and investing people. And then they were beat with a rod into the point where their backs were not just bruised, but ripped open. And then they were cast in the middle of the prison, at the bottom of the prison. These stone walls in this damp, cold environment. I'm thinking to myself, I don't think I could do what they did. And I don't think I could handle it the same way they handled it. The more and more we serve God, the more and more I feel defeated by the world. You ever been there? You ever felt like uh, the more good you do and the harder you try, sometimes bad things just continue to happen? You know, you're like, I am trying so hard with my kids, but they still just don't like me, or at least I feel like that. 
I am working really diligently hard at work and with the employees that I'm around, but I feel like they just want to fire me. <laughs> I'm working really hard with my wife. I mean, I am doing my best, but she still don't want to talk to me or be around me or touch me or just be in the same room as me. Some of you are thinking, yes, that's my life right there. Maybe your in-laws don't like you. God help you. And you're trying so hard. And the more you try, the less good comes about. Paul and Silas were probably right there in that position. One of the worst parts of going through hard times is when people tell you, you can get through this, and they've never been through it themselves. You know? You've got this. You can get through this. Do your best. Just, just, just drive right through that, and you, you'll get through it. Just deal with it. But they've never been through it themselves. And those are the kind of people I don't really want to listen to. I, I, I relate to the ones that have been through some things them, that I'm familiar with and I've been through. And so for Paul and Silas, I think they probably had a lot of people speaking into their lives and, and trying to encourage them from the church when they were in prison. But nobody was speaking into their lives at this specific time because everything we're about to talk to happened within a 24-hour period of time. And in it shifts really fast in a direction that's completely unexpected. So I want to talk to you about praising through some hard times and difficult times when you feel like this is the last thing that I'd like to do. And I want you to look at Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 and, and read with me. And the Bible says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, I don't know about you, but I would never, after being beaten, by the way, they, they have a little concert upstairs, so I got a little background music while I'm preaching, okay? Uh, the benefits of being in the library, you never know what you get, you know, it's kind of exciting. But after they were just beaten and thrown into prison, there was this idea that Paul had, and he leans over to Silas, it's 12 midnight, they're exhausted, they've preached and they taught all day long, they've cast out an evil spirit, and then everything flipped on them, they were beaten, they were cast in the midst of this prison, and Paul, in the midst of all of this, has this idea, all right? He leans over in the darkness of that prison, and he says to Silas, why don't we just pray? And not only that, why don't we sing? Why don't we sing a few songs? I'm thinking if I was Silas at that very moment, if my hands were free, I would slap Paul so hard for even mentioning praise in the midst of all of this. I, in my carnal spirit, would probably be thinking, listen, we just preached and we taught and we invested in people. We cast out an evil spirit out of a woman that was struggling. And this is what we get. And you want to praise God right now? Not only that, you want to pray. Everybody knows that praying is one of the most difficult things you can do when you are in a bad mood, when things are not going well. But the cherry on top is when somebody says, let's just sing together. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. At least that's how I would feel in this moment. But Paul begins to prod uh, Silas to pray and to sing with him. I'm going to tell you something. Praise and prayer go hand in hand. 
It's the yin and the yang. It's the mac and teas. It's the Tom and Jerry, the peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. You can't leave one out. You got to have them both because that's the way it's been designed by God in his word. They just work together. I think Philippians 4, 4 says it best. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Praise. It's one of those things that if you're not doing in the good times, you'll never do in the bad times. Praise is one of those things that we have in our life that is outwardly visible and it's vocal and it, it's a representation of who God is. It's praise. Your praise reveals your relationship with God. Your praise is a loud representation of your walk with Jesus Christ. Specifically when you're going through hard times and you definitely do not feel like praising. So, I want to focus on the benefits of praise. And what happens when you praise God in the midst of the good and the bad? Acts 16, verse 26. This is what happened next. And suddenly, notice that word suddenly. There was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. The first thing that happens is you'll be shaken. Now, if I'm sitting in the bottom of a prison and I'm shackled to a guy that wants to worship, and everything seems to be going the wrong direction. And then an earthquake happens. I'm going to tell you all right now, that would definitely be that cherry on top for me, where I'm thinking, this is it. I am fed up. I am done. James McGarvey and his family just got back from vacation. And uh, they went to Disneyland, and they went on the ride um, the Haunted Mansion, which is one of the best rides at Disney. And he said, halfway through the ride, the ride shuts down, and they're sitting there in the dark for like 10 minutes. Later on, they find out the reason why the ride shut down is because there was an, an earthquake that happened. And he didn't really notice it because they were inside this building on this ride. I would probably notice. But they shut everything down. Everything came to a halt because it's terrifying for the people at Disneyland because they need to be very vigilant with every ride to make sure nothing's messed up so nothing falls apart and so they don't get sued. It is something that changes the environment around you. So when the earthquake took place here in this passage of Scripture, the Bible says it happened suddenly and it shook everything from the foundation. The word suddenly is very important to understand because the best encounter with God is a sudden encounter of God. One of the greatest things that we see in Scripture is the sudden appearance of God working in people's lives. For instance, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, the apostles experienced on the day of Pentecost the sudden uh, 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 presence of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. It was suddenly uh, uh, before the shepherds that the angels appear. And that suddenly brought forth a light from heaven that shone around about them. It was suddenly, according to Luke chapter 9 and verse 39, that, uh, that, that the, the demons that were in the maniac of Gadara cried out when they were cast out of his body. I'm going to tell you, some amazing things happen when God shows up suddenly. 
And so, if you want to have a profound encounter with God, I believe that your praise will cultivate an, an environment for God to show up and do some amazing things suddenly that will shake you in a way that you never expected. Everybody wants to have an encounter with God. You know, I, if I'm trying to find a location, I use my GPS. I put in the address and I go to that location. Because that location, that number I put in my GPS, is the location that I need to get to because there's something there that I need to get to. For instance, for when I'm downtown Columbus or Dublin, often I've put in my GPS, uh, even though I've been around here so many times and I've drove on Highway 70 and 270 and so forth, I've had to put in my GPS how to get home because I get lost so easy. Sometimes in your walk with Jesus Christ, in the midst of circumstances, you feel so disconnected from God, like He's nowhere to be found. And according to Scripture, in Psalms 22 and verse 3, the Bible says, that if you want to be where God is, the presence of God, then your praise is the key to the GPS to find the location of where God is. Here's what it says. It is he that dwells in, in the presence of those that praise him. That's where he's to be found. All right. If I do not realize this and embrace the understanding that no matter how hard life gets, no matter how difficult things may be and how good things may be, I have to constantly live in this state of praise. I'm going to miss an encounter with God. And I don't want to do that. And, and, and I think for me and for you, we have to have a full understanding of this importance of praise. So look at this. Verse 26, the Bible says that God used an earthquake to shake things up. From the foundation onward, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. Praise isn't the caboose that just follows or happens to follow behind the engine. It's praise is the engine of the train that's leading the way and making things happen. I am letting you know that if you want to change your life in 2024 or before we even get to that point, you better embrace praising God as a lifestyle, and when, when you experience that lifestyle of praise, God will shake you up in ways that you've never experienced before. He will shake your family. He will shake your faith. He will shake your mindset. And He will change you. He'll change the circumstances around you. The Bible says in Psalms 95 and verse 1, O come, let us sing. For the joy of the Lord and let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Praise is a lifestyle, not an event. It's not a place that you go to to experience a praise as if we would go to a praise concert. Praise is something you live each day. Um, I know Victor's really excited about soccer. I didn't even know soccer was a sport, honestly. <laughs> but the crew, they did such a great job, and everybody's cheering, everybody's excited, right? And, and because of that excitement and that zeal and that passion, other people that just don't even care start getting excited. Some of you in here were sitting there when he started talking about the crew and the victory they have because we're all residents of the Columbus and the Dublin area. You got a little stirred maybe. Because when you start praising 
those people that you see working so diligently, so hard to make something happen, it gets people cultivated to be excited. And the same goes for Jesus Christ. When we talk about what He did for our lives and how He suddenly made something happen, He shook us from the, the core of who we are, it gets people cultivated to come alongside and say, I want to know more about this. It gets people excited. And then something really profound starts to happen. It, you, you're not just shaken, but also doors start to open. Doors will be opened according to Acts chapter 16 and verse 26. And immediately all the doors were open. Now notice, it wasn't just the doors of the prison of uh, Paul and Silas. Every door in the prison house was open. This is really interesting. Your praise opens doors of opportunity. And I believe those doors represent opportunity. When we begin to thank God and praise God for all the benefits and the things that we have in our life, even in the midst of hard times, God starts opening opportunities that we never thought were possible. Your praise not only, not only edifies God, but it also gives Him the attention He deserves. People were listening in the prison. The Bible says as they were singing praises, the prisoners were listening to this. Like, what's going on? Not only that, when the prison doors were open, the, all the prison doors were open to the point where that other prisoners began to notice the results of the praise of Paul and Silas. That it, it wasn't just benefits for them. It benefited these people that were locked up in the same circumstances. Now, the crazy things that, that happened here was none of them left. All of them stayed. Everybody that was in that prison stayed. If the prison doors opened for me, I'd be the first one to go. I would take advantage of that. But the reason behind this is that the prison doors represent doors of opportunity, not just for Paul and Silas, but for those that were there as well, hearing the praises of God and seeing and experiencing what God was doing. I believe they didn't want to miss out what, what, what was next. And not only that, when doors open up, sometimes they were not meant for you to go through. Sometimes God opens doors so things can come to you. For instance, in this passage of scripture, the Bible says that the prison guard woke up in verse 27. He was sound asleep and he noticed that the, all the prison doors were open. And at that very moment, he made a decision because he's thinking, I'm a dead man. If the prisoners leave... And all I have to tell the authorities is there was an earthquake and the doors were open. That's the furthest thing from their mind that could truly have happened. And they will take my life. So he takes a sword out and he proceeds to, to commit suicide. And Paul yells out to him and says, no, don't do that. I want you to know everybody is still here. Everybody's still in their prison uh, rooms. You do not have to take your life. And the reason I believe this happens is because sometimes when we're experiencing God's blessings, we have to share those blessings. When you start praising God and people start hearing the, the, what God's been doing in your life, they truly want to experience those things. They want to know what's going on in your life and how can it be a part of my life. I see that you've went through some really difficult times and through those hard times, you still gave praise to your God and big things have happened. How can I be a part of that? And Paul begins to share the blessings of God with this man. Now, think of this way. Uh, 1,500 people died 
during the sinking of the Titanic. And so many people died because there was not enough lifeboats. And out of the 20 lifeboats that were available, only one of them turned around to pick up the people that were floating in the water to save them. The other 19 were thinking to themselves, well, we got what we need. We're good to go. In other words, we got our blessing. You get yours. You figure it out. And I believe as believers in Jesus Christ that we have a responsibility to share the blessings of God in the midst of our praise and our hard times and turn that one lifeboat around to pick up those that don't have blessings in their life and are not feeling or experiencing the goodness of God and pick them up and say, listen, what God's done for me, he can do for you. I don't know how many of us have made the decision to turn our lifeboat around and say, man, I want to experience this with some other people. But that's exactly what happened here in this passage of Scripture. The doors were open, and through those doors being open, God made an opportunity available for Paul and Silas to invest in this man. Paul made it very clear to the jailer, no one uh, left the jail. Everybody's still here. And because of that, the Bible says the jailer asked them, in Acts chapter 16, in verse 30, what must I do to be saved? What can I do to experience what you guys have been experiencing through your God? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 31, and thou shalt be saved. Not only that, but your whole house. In other words, your whole family can experience these blessings. What we have in our lives and the enjoyment of praising God through circumstances because it brings peace and blessing, you guys can have in your lives as well. Here's the reality you must face. You're being watched whether you want to be watched or not. You say, I don't want people watching me, how I raise my kids, how I respond to circumstances. I, I just don't want that pressure. I know how you feel. As a pastor, I feel it every single day. When I was a 14-year-old boy and I surrendered to preach in Alabama, I remembered at that moment when I let my youth group know and those that I went to school with that God has called me to preach. In all my zeal and my passion, I found out very quickly that people looked at you differently when you submitted yourself or committed yourself to the work of God. They expected more out of you. And they were watching your every move when hard times came. They, they wanted to know how you're going to respond to this. Because through your response, they were trying to figure out if it could be the same in their life. Could things turn around for them if they could act the way you're acting? Even though you're just like them, you're a human being. But for whatever reason, they expected more. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example. Of the believers, in, what, in which ways? In our conversation, in our charity, in our spirit, in our faith, in our purity. Why? Because people are watching you and how you respond to your circumstances. And if you're still going to continue to give your God praise through those things. Remember when I surrendered to preach and some things started happening that I just didn't understand. Like, I thought it would be easier than this to serve God. And through those circumstances, I had to make a decision. Either I'm going to get bitter and mad and quit, or I'm just going to glorify God through it and make a decision, let's press on, let's go. I've mentioned this so many times, but I, I feel like it's important to mention this part of this story again. When I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, 
and I had an MS attack and I had double vision and I couldn't see, couldn't drive. I was so frustrated, you know. I was only 19 years old. And I finished up Bible college my freshman year and I was home for the summer. And I was so determined. First, I was bitter and I was angry. And I can guarantee you there was no praise and there was no prayer thanking God for my MS. It wasn't going to happen. And I'm not saying if you're going through a hard time and you have cancer or sickness or disease that you need to just say, oh, I'm so thankful for this. This is wonderful. But I am saying in the midst of those things that you have to find praise and the ability to just give it over to God. So I stood in that little tiny bathroom we have. And I looked in the mirror. And I do this every single morning. And I've told so many of you this. And I just have to recap, say it again, because it means so much in this in the setting of this passage of scripture. I'd look to the left, I'd look to the right. My eyes, when I'd look to the left, everything was double vision. I'd look to the right, I could see clearly. And my eyes would click, it was so weird. They'd just go in slow-mo. And I remember looking in the mirror one morning as a 19-year-old boy and making a decision. Either I can continue to get mad at God in the midst of my circumstances, get angry, kind of like Paul and Silas could have done, and just say, forget it, because I'm a young preacher, I've surrendered to the preach, I've dedicated my life, I should get more out of this. Or I can just let go, praise God through it, and trust Him. And so I looked in the mirror by myself, and there at the, that sink, I prayed, and I said, God, it's like I'm looking at the mirror too, at myself as if it was God. And I said, God, I don't care what happens. I'm going to trust you anyway. I'm not going to stop preaching I'm not going to stop going to Bible college because I believe you have a purpose and you're going to do something through this. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if in the future I'm going to be in a wheelchair. I don't know if I'll completely lose my eyesight, but I will do this. I will commit to you to be faithful, to be true, and I will not back down. I praise you for what you've already done for me and what you will do for me. And I am letting this go. From that moment on, I felt a liberation that I've never experienced before in my life as a 19-year-old kid. And I saw God do some things suddenly. There's that word, right? In ways that I never expected Him to show up. And through it, let me tell you something, I was shaken. And God opened doors. And then I found myself at a place where shackles were broken. That's literally the last part of verse 26. Everyone's bonds were loosened. Notice it says loosened. The shackles didn't fall off. They were still there. But the point is simply this. They didn't have any power on them. They had the ability to slip them off whenever they wanted to and to be free from those shackles that were overcoming them. In the midst of everything that was going on, they were loosed from the circumstances that were around them, the idea that this is their life and they're not going to go anywhere else. This is where we're going to stay maybe for the next 20 years is a prison. No, they, they understood at this very moment that God had something bigger in store for them. And they continued to pray and praise and God just brought everything together. And through the door of that prison, that prison guard walks in, picks the men up after he gave his life to Christ brings them to his home, which is very unique and unusual. By the way, all this is happening through the night. It's probably 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Introduces, it to, introduces them to his family. They all give their life to Jesus Christ. They go outside and the whole family gets baptized. Y'all with me? This is crazy. 
And by the way, all of this is happening because of one reason. Praise. Praise. That's the only reason everything we're seeing in chapter 16 takes place. Because of praise. Because they determined, regardless of my circumstances, I will still praise my God. Regardless of what comes my way, I will still praise God. And God began not just to shake them. God didn't just open doors of opportunity. But God loosened those shackles of circumstances and opened an opportunity to reach a family that may have never been reached before. And the Bible says that in Acts chapter 16, 32 through 35, that they ate dinner together. And they were filled. And they they weren't hungry anymore. They weren't hurting anymore because the family actually tended to their wounds. And in the end, come the next morning, they brought them back to the prison as if nothing ever happened. The next morning, the leadership makes the decision to let them free. All in within a 24-hour period of time. But none of those benefits of praise would have ever happened if they didn't make the decision to praise God. So... Sometimes I get an idea in my mind and I put together an outline as God lives on my heart. And sometimes I feel like it makes a whole lot of sense and it's a home run. And other times I feel like I walk away and not too many people get what I'm trying to say. So let me set this aside for just a minute as we close. Let me just be raw and real with you. I am very, very, very transparent when I say this. I've been through some things that I don't want to thank God for. And sometimes when I preach a message like this, I get a little fearful what God may do or allow in my life to provoke me and shake me to praise Him, to trust Him. It scares me, specifically when it comes to my children. But if we don't step back and look at the bigger picture and understand that we serve a mighty God that has the ability to do things in your life that you would never, ever expect, to do things suddenly to shake you and change you, And it may be uncomfortable, and you may not get it, and you may not understand it. But if you can just stay strong, trust Christ through it, I believe you're going to experience something that you never thought was possible. And it starts with this one simple principle. Praise. Praise. That's giving adoration and glory to a higher being, which is God. When we feel like nothing else is going to work out in our lives, You step back and give it to Him and let it go. Where are you at? What circumstances you're going through? And have you finally got to the point in your life where you could just say, okay, I'm going to praise you regardless. I'm going to give it to you. One of my favorite songs is The Goodness of God. I've been listening to it a lot. And the fact that within that song it says, I'm paraphrasing, He's always there. He doesn't. He doesn't give up on me. He never leaves me. He's there for me. Gives me the surety that no matter what's next for Dave Liutso, I'm just going to have to praise through it because God has something bigger in store for me. And if I could just push through it and trust God and praise Him for it, I believe God's going to do something so profound, so unique, and so unbelievable. I'm going to have a story to tell. And I will be able to share it with you. Just like when I was 19 years old. When the doctor said, you're only going to get maybe, maybe 70% of your eyesight back. And I ended up walking away with 100% of my eyesight back. Uh, I was able to get complete victory over that period of time of my multiple sclerosis. 
And God shook me through that to trust Him. And God opened doors of opportunity to serve Him. And in the end, the shackles, the things that were holding me back, the mindset I had, it was loosened and let go. And I promise you, when you hold on to this passage of Scripture, whatsoever, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honorable, the Bible goes on and on and on, explains of all these wholesome things that we're to think on. He said, continually think on these things. And one of the last things he mentions is praise. Think on the topic, the importance of praise. And I believe it's the last thing because he kind of summarizes everything to say, no matter what you're going through, where you've been, and how good and how bad it is, praise, praise, praise. And always let that be at the forefront of your mind.